Welcome to the Concord Online Podcast. Each week, we're going to be bringing you sermons from Concord to be a resource for you to live on mission with us to inspire people to follow Jesus. Well, church, let's give God praise for a time of worship and that incredible story that we heard. Uh, let me tell you, that story really is the dream. That, that is what we're praying God would do over and over and over again. The Hernandez family reached out to the Valley family. Man, we saw their kids come to faith in Christ, the ministries of our next-gen ministries of the church. Then we see them come to faith in Christ as mom and dad and be baptized. Like, friends, that's what it looks like to inspire people to follow Jesus. And for the next few weeks, we're going to do a deep dive into how every single one of us can inspire people to follow Jesus. So many times when we think about church, we think, okay, you know, the church is a place that I go on Sunday. But let me just remind you this morning that the church of Jesus Christ is not an institution to attend or an audience to be a part of. But the church of Jesus Christ is a movement of the kingdom of God to join and participate in as long as there's breath in your lungs. Like you never graduate from church. You never learn enough that you don't need church anymore. You never get to this place spiritually where you're like, yeah, those people and those things. And what the church is, the church is a gift from the Lord for the sanctification and the sustainment of his people until he returns one day for his church. You know, in the New Testament, there's no such thing as a churchless Christian. In the New Testament, every time we see someone come to faith in Christ, they get connected to a body of believers and they don't just go a little bit, they go deep in those relationships so that they might be shaped and made into the very image of God. And so the way we like to articulate that mission that God has given to us is that we want to glorify God and make disciples by inspiring people to follow Jesus. I believe inspiration is very different than motivation. You've all had a coach before who motivated you, right? He'd say, hey, if you don't do this, you will run after practice. That always seemed to motivate me. Or if you don't do this, you won't play in the game. That always seemed to motivate me. Like there was this sense of, of, of you've got to do this to receive this. That's different than inspiration. That's motivation. Motivation says you've got to do something worthwhile and then you receive a reward. But what inspiration is, is inspiration speaks to the very core of your being. Inspiration says I see in you something great and it calls that out of you. And so inspiring someone to follow Jesus is recognizing that Jesus died for them. They've been marked in the very image of God that no matter their past mistakes, Jesus' blood is sufficient for them. And we want to recognize God's gift of salvation and God's mark in their life and call them into the life that he has created for them. That's how we inspire somebody to follow Jesus. And so the vision that God has given our church is to try and reach 1% of the unchurched in area code 865 by the year 2030. You say, 1%, what does that mean? Well, before all of our friends from the West arrived, it was around 7,700. <laughs> and then all you Western friends showed up, and we love you. We're grateful that you're here. Um, but it's more than that now. I'm thankful to be a part of a growing community. You know, as pastor, you pray that God will allow you to be a part of seeing something great in your city and you know and every time I kind of lose my temper a little bit in traffic it's like I hear the Holy Spirit like you prayed for this you know so 
I don't know how you feel in traffic, but I'm always like, Lord, you're just sending us more people to reach, but some need to learn how to drive, you know? So, <laughs> but this vision that Lord has given us to reach 1% is not a vision that we can outsource to professionals, but it's gonna require every single one of us to be engaged in his mission, just like we saw from the Hernandez family and the LaValle family coming to faith in Christ. But as a church, I want you to know today that we're doing everything we can do to really focus all that we are on reaching this 1%. We're, we're calling this initiative to reach this 1% of Eric Yield 865, we're calling this Rise 865. That we wanna be a church that's, that's building strong churches, strong families, and strong communities. And so you'll hear that and see that. If you've been out to the Smoky Stadium, you'll see, you know, they're on the fence. It's like Rise 865, strong churches, strong families, strong communities. If you're all throughout town, you'll see it in different places. And what that is, is a hope that we can gather the followers of Jesus in our region and mobilize them into strong churches, building strong families and strong communities so that we might reach 1% for the glory of God. This strategy is not a strategy to grow a bigger church. This strategy is a strategy to reach lostness and darkness, to push back the assault of the enemy on our community. And I hope and pray you'll join that with us. Let me just give you a couple brief updates and we'll get in our text. And if you wanna grab your Bible, go into John chapter four. John chapter four is where we'll be in just a moment. But, but let me just give you a few updates on the church side of some changes we're making to be more aligned behind this Rise 865 vision of strong churches, strong families, strong communities to reach 1% of area code 865. We've made some adjustments in our personnel. We, we always are continually evaluating what our ministers and ministries are accomplishing, what they're doing, and so the last few months we've been working with our personnel committee and just a few adjustments and changes that I want you to be aware of. First, John Wyman. Uh, John is uh, right now working on our missions team and he's now gonna move over and work on our multiplication team. So he won't work on the mission side, he'll work on the multiplication side and he'll be the director of mobilization and prayer. And so he'll lead our prayer ministry and then John will help us inspire people to follow Jesus in areas that we believe the Lord is leading us to start a new congregation. If you've been around a while, you will remember that we've started a congregation down in Loudoun, LifeBridge Church, and God is using them in incredible ways. We've merged with a church in the Westview community known as Belmont Heights Baptist Church. And so right now we've got these two additional congregations. Remember, we want strong churches, strong families, strong communities. And so this is how we're doing that. And John is gonna go help Chandler in that effort. Which by the way, didn't Chandler do a great job last week? Let's give God praise for how Chandler preached God's word last week. So John will lead our prayer initiatives and our multiplication initiatives in, or rather our mobilization initiatives in that. Next, I want you to know that David Cresswell, David grew up in our church, but David and his family have recently moved back to town and they'll be joining our staff as the director of global missions. It's really unique how God has orchestrated those steps to call them home in many ways. And when we found out that David and his family were moving home, we began to think, man, could God be ordaining his steps? And we had this need and God brought his family here. And so David will begin to serve in our missions ministry. And he'll, he'll, he'll have a ministry that is ministering to those who are sent out on the mission field. And his ministry will be caring for those and helping those who are feeling called to ministry, uh, to missions rather, as the director of global missions. Last, Josh Hall. Josh is being recommended to you to serve as our pastor of young adults. So young adult pastor, and there's cards out right here, and we'll actually vote to call Josh next Sunday at the end of our worship services. 
Josh is going to work with 18 to 35 year olds. All right. We have had a, a wonderful ministry called 1825 and that will continue. Josh will give leadership to that. But also Josh is going to give leadership to 25 to 35 year olds, many of whom are single, many of whom are newly married, recently married. And so we're going to be able to develop a, a new ministry focused on young adults in addition to 1825 that Josh will lead the way and help us fill that gap in our ministry uh, desires to inspire people to follow Jesus in that way. So, so be excited about Josh. Uh, he'll be here next weekend. We get to vote on him and call him to be our young adult pastor. Look, you'll, you'll see and you'll feel it, I believe, in these next few months and years that we are super focused on reaching 1% of Erico 865. And what I want to show you in scripture today is, is I want to show you the way I believe God's going to use us to see this accomplished. Because see, for far too long, Christianity in the South particularly has been defined by church attendance, by tithing, and by moral living. Hear me now, these are good things. Don't stop attending, don't stop tithing, and don't stop living according to the scripture. Like these are good things. But, but these things create a comfortable Christian subculture, particularly when Christianity is in the majority culture or the favorite opinion of the culture at large. It creates this little niche where there's this Christian vocabulary and Christian lingo and Christian t-shirts and all this Christian stuff and, and you could actually in the Christian subculture live your entire week around Christians, with Christians and, and hanging out with them. Like that, that's just what you can do. But what I want you to understand this morning is that's not the biblical prescription of how Christians are supposed to live. Like there's no sense in the Bible that it's this withdrawing from everything and insulating yourselves where like, you know, you, you only listen to veggie tales and you, and you only do this and like you kind of walk this path of, of all of these Christian things. Now at the core, at the central part of who we are is a firm foundation in Christ. We've sung about it today. The rock from which we stand but from that rock, we are leaning to a tumultuous world to draw them to the rock of Christ. And what I want to show you today in scripture is like the biblical posture for a Christian, even in the South, is a missionary posture. A missionary posture. You used to say, well, I'm not called to be a missionary. Friends, if you've been changed by Jesus, you've been called to be a missionary. Like if, if Jesus has transformed your life, you, the rest of your life is spent serving the king as a missionary sent out by the kingdom of God. Second Corinthians five, Paul's like, hey, we're ambassadors with the message of reconciliation. But many of us have forsaken the posture of ambassador and taken up the posture of, as comfortable audience members. We've taken up this posture of like, well, I'm just gonna sit back and watch. Well, that's what the church does. That's not what I do. Friends, we are the church. The church is not some building. It's the people of God on the mission of God. The truth be told today, there are many more people in this room that are actually a part of the church. Because there are many of us sitting on the sidelines and if you're sitting on the sidelines spiritually today, understand you're not participating in the church. You may be attending the church, but you're not walking at the principles of the church. And so how do I take up a missionary posture and inspire people to follow Jesus? I'm so glad you asked. Stand with me and let's study it together.
John chapter four, verse seven. A woman came, or a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples, verse eight, had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right saying I have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. Hello. (laughs) Brother, I love your laugh. Verse 18. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You think? Verse 20, sorry, we gotta keep going. Our our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He's called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I've ever done. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say that there are yet four months and then the harvest comes. Look, I tell you, lift your eyes and see that the fields are white in the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. When the Samaritans came, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of the word 
And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And after the two days, he departed for Galilee. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Most of us, if we grew up in church, we've heard this passage before. But I hope today maybe the Lord will shine some fresh light in your heart just as he's shined in my heart this week as I've studied this very familiar passage. You know, it's one of those things if we're not careful, we'll say, oh, I know this story and we'll kind of put it on autopilot. But let me maybe highlight some parts of this story that many times we rush over and maybe it will inspire us to inspire people to follow Jesus. You see, Jesus here, he's out of the city, he's back in Galilee, the the Pharisees' opposition to his popularity had kind of pushed him out of town, but it was God's will for him to pass through Samaria. The disciples did not understand why they were where they were, nor did they understand what Jesus was doing. So put that in your mind's eye today. These that are following Jesus, they're confused about everything that's going on. And Jesus is tired from the journey and he sits at a well while his disciples run into town to pick up lunch. He he sits there at noon, which was not the normal time to be at the well. You would have come morning and evening. You would have come to get water for the day or you would have come to get water for the next day. You wouldn't have been there at noon at the high heat, at the middle of the day. You'd have been busy with your work which is why the Samaritan woman was at the well at that moment. Because this Samaritan woman was an outcast. This Samaritan woman was not one that would ever be seen with other women or with other people. She had lived in such a way that society had turned its back on her and she was cast out of the community. So, so in your mind's eye, see Jesus being at a location that the disciples did not even understand why they were there, meeting a woman and speaking to this woman who culturally he never should have been talking to. Jewish men don't normally talk to women alone. She was a Samaritan and Jews hated the Samaritans because Samaritans were considered mixed race. She was promiscuous, she had a reputation. She'd bounced from marriage to marriage and was now shacking up with some man that was not her husband. Like this woman had no standing. This woman was not be one that, that you would think Jesus would want to be with, but yet this is the one that Jesus intended to be with. While the disciples did not understand, Jesus knew exactly where he was at exactly the right moment to meet this woman so that he could accomplish his purposes. You see, there's so much that we can learn from Christ in this about how he cares for people that society has turned its back on. There's so much we can learn about Christ in this, how he crushes social norms, how he does whatever it takes to reach people with his message and his gospel. Friends, these ideas that have snuck into the church, particularly in the South, that says you have to get yourself right before you can come to God are tricks of the enemy and not far to the scriptures. These, These churches and places that people want to look down upon others or kind of snootily walk through the way of you gotta dress this way or look this way or play this way or vote this way to be a part of this group. Like that is not New Testament Christianity. And it is what is killing so many places that they want to call churches. 
But I believe with all of my heart there are many people meeting in places today that the Holy Spirit would never inhabit their praises because of the condition of their hearts when they walked in the room. You say, churches are dying all over the country. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is stronger than it's ever been. Now gatherings of people who call themselves a church but the gospel is not preached and the presence of God is far from, those places are dying today because they have no spiritual power because spiritual power is found when you live according to God's principles and God's way and you learn from Christ about the posture of how you interact with the world around you. So Jesus shows us so much in this moment of reaching out to this Samaritan woman. What can we learn today? First, in verses seven to 26, we can learn to have gospel conversations. If you want to inspire people to follow Jesus, you have to have some gospel conversations. This conversation with the woman at the well is a remarkable conversation where Jesus, with great kindness and tenderness, shows her that he can provide for her what she's been searching for. I mean, think about it. This, this woman has been moving from relationship to relationship to find a solution to make herself feel better about the brokenness and the emptiness that she knows is in her soul. And none of those relationships worked. Nothing ever filled her. That's when, why when Jesus offers her living water, she's like, I want that because I'm constantly thirsty. And Jesus is trying to show her with great kindness and intentionality who he is. Now this story at the well has so many layers that we need to understand is happening here. You know, wells in biblical times, were, they, they were kind of like e-harmony. If, if you were looking for somebody, you went out to the well. So what are you talking about? Well, in Genesis chapter 24, Isaac finds a wife at a well. And in Genesis chapter 29, Jacob and Rachel meet up at the well. In Exodus chapter two, we find Moses hanging out at a well. So if you're looking for a spouse today, You see, John 4, like Jesus is now going to this well. And what's so interesting, this well that Jesus goes to is known as Jacob's well. If you go to Israel with us, we go here. And what's crazy is like, you can still drop the bucket, bring up the water, drink from Jacob's well. Deep, deep well that is still filled to this day. Ancient well, old well. And we see so many similarities between Jacob's experience at the well and Jesus. Jacob and Jesus, they go sit near the well. In both stories, a woman comes at midday to draw water. Jacob removes the stone to water Rachel's flock and Jesus offers the Samaritan woman living water. And what happens both times is that both women run back into the village to tell people what happens. Both times the, the people run out and they meet strangers and they persuade the stranger to stay. Like Jacob was invited into the village, Jesus was invited into the village. So what this shows us, work with me here, think with me here, Jesus is using this example of the well 
to help us see today that he is seeking a bride, not a physical bride. He's not looking for a wife as we would understand, but he's pursuing his church, the bride of Christ. So when Jesus interacts with this woman at the well, he's showing us how the church should act, what the church should do, and how the church should be postured to have gospel conversations in the day it finds itself. Like think about it today, Jesus' bride is not spotless, but he will make her so by his gospel. Jesus' love is on display to redeem this broken woman and she gives, or he gives her a chance to recover and pursue God's design for her life. Like she then, the one who received the gospel, runs to invite the villagers to meet Jesus. Why? Because transformed people want others to be transformed. And she just simply shares her testimony and people's lives are changed. You see, Jesus meets this broken woman with a shady past and we can understand his heart for every one of us as she is transformed by his power. Some of us, the reason why we don't inspire people to follow Jesus, the reason why we don't share a faith is because we think we've got to win an argument. Having gospel conversations is not winning arguments. It's offering hope. Too many of us, when we think about the work of evangelism, we think, well, I've got to have all the answers. I've got to know all the things. Friends, you've got to offer hope. Like, you've got to demonstrate difference that something has happened to you, that you've been transformed, that you've been changed. And as you demonstrate that, you're showing hope to the world. Look at verse 10. Like, in verse 10 is the only time we see this phrase, the gift of God in the Gospels. He's offering her this gift of God. He's offering her this living water. And so he's offering her something that she could not reason her way to. It wasn't that he was trying to win an argument. He was trying to offer her hope from her circumstances, hope from her failures, hope from all of her mistakes. And this gift of God, this living water, it's, it's the Holy Spirit himself. Jesus had just referred to himself as the bread of life and and now he's offering this living water that is only possible through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Like that's the Spirit's work in you to consistently fill you with the presence of God that you may be poured out as a drink offering for others. You see this living water that Jesus provides is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that you might be filled to satisfaction Filled overflowing, filled with a never-ending source of fulfillment. That's who Christ is, and that's what he's done. That's why we're offering hope when we have gospel conversations. Like, change your mindset from, I've got to reason someone to faith in Christ. You've got to offer hope from their circumstances, because the Lord Jesus will take care of everything else. You, You see... I believe the reason more of us don't share the gospel is because we try to do our work and Christ's work. Man, Christ's work is the transforming work. Christ's work is where he changes them. You don't have to change them. You don't have the power to change them. You have to present the hope that you found in Christ. And notice how this woman responds. Skip down to to verses 19 and 20. When, When Jesus calls her to repentance, Look what she does. Like her first response is to lean on her religious knowledge. 
She's like, hey, isn't it written? Like, don't you, don't you guys worry about what mountain you worship on? Are we on the right mountain? Like she tries to start jumping through all these religious hoops. Hear me now. This is an age old trick of our enemy. Like what, what the enemy does is he's like, well, you already heard this or you already know this. Or remember that time you prayed a prayer? You, you see, there, there are many in this room today, there are many watching online this morning that, that the, if the truth were told, we're resisting that, that drawing of the Holy Spirit because we think we know it already. But when we begin to recognize that the living water Jesus offers is to fill their hope, to give them a hope and a future, we quickly can understand that if you feel empty today in your religious knowledge, it's because you, like this Samaritan woman, know the answers but have never been filled. You see, there are many people who call themselves Christians but live their lives empty. They live their lives on this, this rat race of moral living trying to please the Lord. And I'm just telling you today, you can be satisfied and you can be filled in Christ. I'm telling you today, because I've experienced in my life, man, I remember a time that I was trying so hard to please the Lord until I finally recognized that the Lord was pleased in Christ. And if Christ is in me, he's pleased in me. Amen. You see, for so many of us, we're trying so hard. And might I beg you today, Christ is enough, so be filled in him. If you want to be pleasing to God today, be so filled with Jesus, he comes out of you at every moment. And if you're so filled with Jesus, he's coming out of you, you're gonna have these gospel conversations. You see, the enemy, he says that prayer you prayed was enough. But friends, if there's never been obedience and lordship to Christ in your life, your prayer was just words. Because when you meet Jesus, he changes you and he fills you. See, the enemy is saying today, you're good with God because you know spiritual answers and religious things. You went to Christian school, you go to Sunday school, you know the answers, you, you show up three hours a week at church. But friends, if your life testimony is one of consistently choosing your own way instead of submitting to his way, you need saving faith like Jesus was offering this Samaritan woman. I hope you sense my burden today. Because most times when we read this passage of scripture, we think, man, I'm glad I'm not her. But hear me now. At one point in all of our lives, she's exactly who we were. I hope you sense my burden today. Because I'm so concerned about religious people in Knoxville busting hell wide open, filled with knowledge, but have never been filled with the Spirit. Do you have a testimony that says I've been changed by Jesus? Jesus has this gospel conversation with this woman and look where he lands the conversation. Like, like verse 23 and 24, he's like, like true worshipers, Worship the Father in spirit and truth. Like this is what the Father's seeking. Filled and anchored. Like that, that's what true worshipers are. They're filled with his spirit, but yet anchored in truth. Verse 24, God is spirit. So we gotta worship in spirit and truth. It's not about the location. It's not about the place. It's not what, matter where your church membership is. 
And then the woman begins to understand. Verse 25, I know the Messiah is coming. I am he. Friends, having a gospel conversation is peddling hope and living filled. It's sharing the hope that you found in Christ and being filled with his living water. Second, I've got to hurry. If you really want to inspire people to follow Jesus, you've got to have gospel conversations and you've got to invite people to Jesus. You've got to invite people to Jesus. First, 27 is the part of this passage that has jumped off the page to me this week. See, the disciples return. They were marveled. They were blown away. They were confused that she, he was speaking to the Samaritan woman. Now, I find it so interesting that John's like, no, they, didn't, they didn't say anything, just to be clear. You know, it's, it's like, he's like, he's like, hey, they couldn't believe he was talking to the Samaritan woman. They didn't have the courage to say that to Jesus. They just kind of kept that to themselves. Verse 28. So the woman left the water jar and went away and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I've done. They went out of the town and they were coming to him. So she came for water. She was transformed by Jesus. She leaves the water that never sustained and goes to town and says, y'all gotta come see. Y'all gotta come, y'all gotta come meet. Like she, she did all that she knew to do and she invited the entire town to come to Jesus. I mean, some of us, we get nervous about inviting her neighbor to church but this is a woman who'd been married five times was living with a dude that wasn't her spouse and she goes and tells her hey i know y'all all know me and i know most of y'all y'all need to come meet this man like talking about getting over yourself talking about like going back and saying i have been changed and that's exactly what she did she just went and invited people to follow Jesus. She could have come up with some self-centered reason for her change. She could have said this was, this was something that I've been thinking about a long time, but instead she just said, I just met someone who has changed me. Come and meet him too. Friends, that's the call of God in our lives. And notice what's happening here in verse 31. The disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat. Oh, this blows me away because I find myself here so often. Like this woman has been transformed and changed and she's inviting the entire town out to meet Jesus. And the disciples were like, we went and got your lunch. Aren't you pleased with us? The disciples were like, hey man, like did somebody bring him something to eat that we didn't know about? Like think about, like they're trying to control this moment where they're like, like you gotta eat, you gotta eat. Like how did he get food? Like they're worried about feeding Jesus. And Jesus, look in the scripture, Jesus looks at them and looks up and this is when he says, the harvest is coming. He is gazing upon the people coming from the city and he's like, you're worried about food and my people are coming. And friends, this is where so many of us live. We're so worried about, is it exactly right? We're so worried about, well, that's not how we've always done it. That's like those disciples arguing over, did Jesus get something to eat? Jesus is like, I'm sustained by food that you know nothing of. Lift up your eyes, the harvest is plentiful. Like look at what this one person who was transformed by Jesus could do as she's inviting the entire community and they are responding, they're coming. Verse 35, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. The fields are white for a harvest. 
Jesus here is trying to get the disciples back to the main thing. They're so worried about managing Jesus that they've missed the mission of Jesus. And friends, in established churches like ours, we can be overwhelmed with the management of ministry that we miss the ministry we've been called. And we must be certain today, we must put our foot in the ground and say never again will we go back to managing ministry, but instead we will unleash the people of God because the harvest is plentiful. And this is our dream This is our desire that you would understand today that you can be just like that Samaritan woman, a mess transformed and sent to inspire. Look, man, Jesus was calling his disciples away from the secondary things to say, get back on the main thing. And I hope today to call you to the very same thing. We've got to get back to inspiring people to follow Jesus. We've got to get back to telling our friends and neighbors what Jesus has done in our life. Missions is not something that we get on airplanes and do while we do that. Missions begins inside the walls of our home and across the street to our neighbors. How do I inspire people to follow Jesus? I have gospel conversations, and I invite people to follow Jesus. You say, well, is that enough? Notice what happens, and and then I'm done. Like, Jesus starts talking to his disciples about sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. Verse 39, look, many of the Samaritans from town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. What was her testimony? He told me all that I ever did. I mean, can you see those townspeople? They're like, oh, this lady? If he knows all that she's done, we gotta go meet this guy. Think about it, man. Like, some of us, we are so ashamed of our past and our story, but God used this woman's past and her story to draw a city to himself. Your salvation was not just freedom from your past, it was an opportunity to redeem your past. It was an opportunity to redeem your past. That Christ made you new and you can take all of those lumps and bruises and scars and difficulties and the things that you wish you could forget, that you could take all of that and God could use it for his glory. And Jesus here is going like, these people, they're coming to me because of the testimony of this woman. Verse 40, so they, when the Samaritans came, they asked him to stay, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. The woman inspired them by offering hope from her testimony. Jesus taught them according to the word, and the city was changed. That's the way this works, that we are inspiring others with the story as we offer the hope of a changed life. And we partner together so that the word would then seep in and confirm the hope that we have in Christ. So here's what we want to do today. We want to commit ourselves to partnering together to have gospel conversations 
and inspiring people to follow Jesus. Re- reach in the seat back in front of you. You guys on the front row, I'm going to have to reach behind you. Reach in, reach, or maybe it's underneath you or behind you. If you're on the front row, you're going to have a harder time. Reach behind you and grab one of these. I want everybody to get a card that looks just like this. Everybody, every single one of us. Whether it's your first time or thousandth time. Grab this. We're almost done. Hang with me. Everybody got one? I'm a little warm. Will you wave it at me? All right, there we go. Perfect. All right, some of us don't have them yet. So come on. Grab one. Grab them, grab them, grab them. Grab them. Grab them. This, I pray, is going to become such an everyday occurrence and a part of our church as we get serious about inspiring people to follow Jesus. Here's what I ask you to do. I'm going to ask you today to put three names on this card. Put three names on this card that you want to ask the Lord to use you to inspire to follow Jesus. Here's just some thoughts. Who's somebody that you feel like is near to making a decision for Christ. Maybe you've, you know they've heard the gospel, you know they've been around church, maybe they've come to church with you a few times, you're like, man, they're close. Like, write their name there. Like, this person's close. The second person would be somebody that you're like, you know, they, they know right from wrong, but they don't really know the gospel, right? They, maybe that's someone that's just kind of culturally Christian, live a moral life, think everything's okay. You, you put their name down because you're like, you know, this person needs to understand what Jesus has done for them. And, and then maybe the third person is someone that you're like, man, if this person ever gets saved, Jesus is returning. You know, like, like if this person comes in, like, like, you know, shoot your shot right here. Like, like I'm putting their name on this card because God does miracles and it's going to take a miracle. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all look at me like you're so holy. I know folks like that. I know you do too. And so you're going to put their names on this card, and then we're going to partner together. So here's what, if you look on the side that does not have the blanks, there's four things we're asking you to do. One, pray for these people. Two, find a way to share your story. Three, share a meal together. And four, invite them to church. All right? Pray for them. Find a way to share your story with them. Then have a meal. When you have a meal with someone, you get to know them, and they then can see the difference in you, right? And then invite them to church. And here's the partnership part. If you will invite them to church, my commitment to you is that I will stand here every single Sunday and preach the gospel to the very best of my ability, and they will hear the gospel truth and have an opportunity to respond. So we'll work together on this. Some of you, you're like, well, pastor, I want to share the gospel with them. Great. Others of you are so intimidated by sharing the gospel. I'll partner with you. Like, we'll work together on this. But our hope is that every single one of us has an active inspire card. That's what we're going to call this. And, man, we're making significant changes. Like, if you want to be a deacon in our church, one of the qualifications is going to be that you have an active inspire card. You can tell us about the people on your cards. If you want to be on a committee in our church, we're going to ask you about your inspire card. You want to serve in a Bible study group leader? We're going to ask you about your, you get the idea? Like we are so committed to this that we've got to begin to inspire people to follow Jesus. It's not something that can just be outsourced to staff, but it's got to be every single one of us inspiring others to follow Jesus. So pray, who is it? Share your story, share a meal, 
and invite him to church and let's partner together to watch God do incredible, incredible things. Thanks for joining us this week on the Concord Online Podcast. If you have any questions surrounding today's sermon or simply want to learn more, you can do so at concordonline.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with each weekly release. 